Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. In this week's Torah portion, Yisrael rejoined Moses in the desert as his father-in-law, Yisrael, comes to visit. Yisrael impressed, is impressed with the power of Hashem in safely delivering us from Egypt. So he blesses Hashem, offers Moses unsolicited advice on how to make his many daily responsibilities less chaotic, and teaches Moses an important lesson on delegating responsibility. Following this, the Jewish people move on to Sinai, where Hashem offers our people a chance to hear his voice directly and become the holy nation that we are destined to be. After three days of ritualistic purification, the Jewish people are awakened by thunder and lightning as a heavy cloud and the blare of the shofar descends upon Mount Sinai. The Jewish people trembled as they hiked up the mountain closer and closer to Hashem. Hashem enters the mountain as a fire. The mountain shakes and smoke encompasses the Jewish people as the shofar sounds grow stronger and stronger. Through Moses and Aaron, the Jewish people received the Ten Commandments. As the people, Jewish people witness Moses speak to Hashem, they beg Moses to continue to communicate with Hashem on their behalf, for they felt that if they were to speak to Hashem directly, they would die. Moses' response can be translated in many ways. According to Art Scroll, Moses responds, do not fear for in order to elevate you, God has come so that awe of him shall be upon your faces so that you shall not sin. JPS, on the other hand, translates Moses' response as the following. Be not afraid, for God has come only in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may be ever with you so that you do not go astray. These are two very different takes on the same pursuit. While there are multiple idiosyncrasies within these two translations, a large question to ask yourself in translating this phrase is, do you live in fear of Hashem or in awe of him? In the dictionary, awe is described as a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. If one is to look at awe in the framework of wonder, there is a certain lightness about the idea. One may think of a mystifying beauty, they might find a deep appreciation or may feel a profound power in the spectacular world around them. Fear, on the other hand, evokes an impending sense of doom, an overwhelming loss of control, a feeling of threat, or even being in danger. The deeply instilled image of the helpless child crying and shaking in the corner comes to heart. As Hashem approached the Jewish people as elements within nature, and because Tubishvat has just passed, let us look at fear and awe within the environment. It is so easy to turn on the news and be paralyzed by fear for the environment. From element to element, the feeling of impending doom can easily creep in and take over. Wildfires, for example, are at an all-time high. This means an all-time low for air quality, property, crops, resources, animals, the list can go on. Between 1998 and 2017, the World Health Organization quantified that 6.2 million people were affected by wildfires, including 2,400 deaths. Since then, the rate of fires has significantly increased. 
What is truly disturbing is that 85% of these wildfires are caused from human activity. Blinded by overwhelming fears, humans become just as deadly as the fires themselves. Another significant fear that is easy to hold is that of the changing sea levels. The rate of change of the sea levels is unprecedented within modern times. This change is caused by the ice sheets and glaciers melting, the ground settling, a lack of upstream flood control, an increase of volume of the ocean as the water temperature rises, and the erosion that starts right in our very own backyards, leaving our soil dry and uncovered, overpasteurization and material overflow associated with construction has made people the largest contributor to erosion. In fact, erosion caused by humans occurs at a rate 10 to 15 times higher than natural processes. Ground pumping of water for domestic consumption, irrigation and mining has caused other bodies of water to dry up, leaving no resources for fish, wildlife, and plants and puts the ground beneath us in a position where it may collapse. Globally, eight out of 10 of the largest cities are located on a coast. Within the US, 40% of the population lives in high population density coastal areas. With the high tide flooding 300 to 900% higher than it was 50 years ago, it seems necessary to be in fear. If the world adopts a low greenhouse gas pathway, the sea level will rise 12 inches by 2100. If we keep using, utilizing energy in the destructive ways that we are, we may see a rise of 8.2 feet. Other way, either way, the fear of this feels mounting. It would be incomplete, almost blind, not to talk about the changing of seasons while talking about global threats. Temperatures are higher, the growing season is dangerously longer, and rainfall patterns have changed. This puts crops and livestock in particular risk as they might not be equipped to handle a hotter world. Insects are eating more crops so that they may have more energy to combat the heat. This means that they are getting larger and producing larger and significantly more offspring. Moreover, a warmer climate signals tropical insects to move inland as their ideal habitat expands. They are faced with new predators, such as the African killer bees, putting both insects and people in serious risk. Bumblebee population is 90% less than it was 20 years ago, and they have disappeared entirely in 16 U.S. states. Plants account for 80% of the food we eat and 98% of our oxygen. Without pollinators, we are in serious risk. These threats are just the tip of the iceberg and the effects of them devastate not just the environment, but also our mental health. In 2017, the American Psychological Association began releasing information on a newfound mental health trend, eco-anxiety, which is defined as a chronic fear of environmental doom caused by human activity and climate change. This coupled with the ecological grief of environments that have already been changed can leave one feeling like a climate hostage to the larger processes. Government and financially driven systems have left us seemingly powerless against the environmental trends. Researchers have shown that for every half degree of temperature increase, 
suicide rates also increase. However, a leader in the field of eco-psychology, Dr. Thomas Dorty, offers a three-part treatment approach to a way out of this crippling fear. Validate, elevate, create. Through this framework, one can find a way out of anxiety and into awe and action. 2017 also saw the creation of the Jewish Community Farming Field Building Initiative. This organization offered resources for Jewish environmental organizations, providing information for everything from teaching materials to potential budgets, and even a blueprint for how to plant actual seeds as a community to allow for maximum growth. Between 2000 and 2018, over 20 Jewish organizations were formed with the shared vision of regenerating and protecting our planet. The Jewish Community Farming Field Building Initiative formally connected these organizations to create a platform of shared development. 10 years prior to the inception of this initiative, a new branch of Judaism with the vision of restoring ancient earth-based Jewish traditions emerged in Berkeley, California. Calling itself Wilderness Torah, this organization focuses on community building through lively biblical style outdoor celebrations of land-based festivals and holidays. The importance of celebrating nature is deeply ingrained within Jewish life. The Torah itself is even called the tree of life. Out of the 36 Jewish holidays, 23 of them include agricultural components or celebrate the tree of life itself. Our love of trees is part of how we keep our world growing. In actuality, forest fires are a natural and necessary part of evolution for many species. As part of the natural ecosystem, fires release necessary nutrients to help certain seeds enter the soil. Some examples are broadleaf arnica, Missouri goldenrod, and yarrow. These can plants can be powerful healers when used as medicine. Arnica can be used as a non-addictive alternate to pain medicine. It can help combat muscle and joint pain, inflammation, and bruising. In this regard, it could be used to help combat the opioid epidemic should people be willing to utilize naturalistic remedies in combination or instead of Western medicine. Goldenrod has more antioxidant activity than green tea and vitamin C, but combined with aspen and ash trees, supplements of goldenrod have been shown to be equally effective as aspirin for reducing back pain and knee arthritis. A natural diuretic, Goldenrod has been shown to combat obesity, fight cancer, support heart health, and help combat against aging effects in the skin. Yarrow has been used medicinally since the times of ancient, ancient Greece. It can be used to treat ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome. It encourages daily mental and physical activity and has been shown to reduce depression and anxiety. It can help combat brain disorders, such as multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and cephalomyelitis. In many regards, fires are not just bringing about destruction. They may be creating healing as well. One of my favorite ways to be in awe of the environment is to think about mycelium. Mycelium is the root system of mushrooms that breaks down toxins and stores carbon, naturally fighting climate change with its processes. 
This root system reaches 300 miles down and all around the earth, connecting the entire planet through its reach. Therefore, the mycelium right here in my backyard are reaching all the way to my family in New York. So in that regard, we are always physically connected and never truly alone. Moreover, as Jews, because we bury our loved ones, no matter where in the world we are, they're lifting us at any given moment. On days when I miss my mom, I can hug a tree and know that some part of her is hugging me back, making the hug ground me in many senses of the word. The changing of seasons can also have a pivotal role for improving our mindset. In many ways, time is a man-made construct to help us understand the spaces that Hashem allows us to walk. We quantify seconds, minutes, hours, and days in a rigidity that binds us to earthly commitments in ways that may be stifling to our spirit. But what if time wasn't necessarily just in these segments? A good friend of mine, Dr. Gerald Schroeder, explains in his book, Genesis and the Big Bang, that by taking stock of Einstein's theory of relativity, one can deduce that there are different continuums of time happening concurrently. Therefore, the six billion years of evolution can translate to our time dimension as six days. Only after man is introduced on the seventh day do we begin to enter man's time. Within this theory, we can combine the evolutionary and biblical perspectives into one logical story. We can understand that Hashem's time is not defined in the same constructs that ours is. Maybe we are never late or in the wrong place at the wrong time, as Hashem is using a completely different clock. Moreover, maybe the end of days is actually nowhere near when we think it is, if the big man upstairs is looking at a different watch. Perhaps the fact that time is undeniably changing in the environment around us can remind us that we are living closer to Hashem's time and farther from the one that binds us to fear. We live in a time where it is easy to be paralyzed with fear, to let eco-anxieties, fears of political uprisal, and feelings of hate dictate how one lives their lives. But we also live in a time of divine connections, wonder, and inspiration all around us. We get to choose which emotion we hold. However, no matter which we choose, we will always hold the shadow side as well. Let us not forget that fear and awe are in essence the same Hebrew word, so you can't have one without the other. Let us use our fears to motivate action to protect our awe and our awe to make our fears productive. Let us understand and validate all our feelings in order to create real changes. Let us abandon our ideas of time and allow ourselves to be fully present in each moment. Let us hug trees daily and offer our love to the whole world with each embrace. At a Kabbalistic Tubishvat Seder, one is to eat a fruit that they had not tried yet this year. I hope that you will allow yourself to end your day with new fruits of wonder and continue to be in awe with the world around you. Good Shabbos.
This has been the TBE Richmond Podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all.